Welcome to Doxa Church. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Man, it is, uh, it is so good to have you all here today. My name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at, at Doxa. And, and man, um, today is just, uh, it's just an incredible, incredible day. And honestly, probably one of the, the coolest, most ex- exciting days of, of my entire life. And, you know, as I, as I think about this, this church and, and really just starting it up today, it, it's really not the script that, that I would have written for my life. All right, but the, the last 10 to 15 years have honestly just been just this crazy, unexpected journey for us that, is, that has landed my family and a, and a big group of people here in Madison to, to start this church called Doxa. But, but honestly, this, this whole thing started with a, with a sleepless night in Bowling Green, Ohio. I know that sounds like a, a cheesy romance novel or something like that, but, but it, it did. And so, you know, we, we, I can't remember which one of our kids was, it was, but um, I think it was Titus, and he wasn't sleeping and he was crying. And I know that there's some parents that when like the kids cry, they're like, oh, he's crying. He needs me. This is great. And there's other parents, if you're like me, that the kid's crying, you're like, oh my gosh, like make it stop, right? And, and so that was, that's me, okay? And, and in the midst of that sleepless night that I just had to, to get out for a minute, okay? And my wife, she had bought me this um, handmade pipe from Italy. And, and every now and again, I like to, to smoke a pipe. And so I was outside in the middle of the night at like one in the morning, sitting in my driveway while it's snowing. I'm freezing, but I'm having this great time because I'm not hearing the kid cry, okay? And, um, and it's one of the, but guys, it's one of the, like, the coolest fathered by God moments that, that I've ever had in my life. That I'm sitting there, and you know how a dad comes to his kid and, and he's like, hey, you want to you wanna go on an adventure this weekend? And the kid's like, oh man, well, where are we going to go, dad? And the dad's like, hey, don't even worry about it. Just hop in the car and I'm going to show you some awesome stuff. It was almost like God was saying that to, to me as I sat there in the driveway of my house. And, and Lisa and I hopped in the car and there was others that hopped in the car and landed us here in, in Madison. And guys, I share all that to say this. Guys, as we start this church, I want us all to know that, that this is not about us. I mean, we have all this stuff, and it, and it looks really cool. We have, a, we have great music. We have a, a great godly staff team, super talented. We have a great college ministry called the Salt Company. We have all of these, these great things. But guys, it, this whole thing, it's, it's not about us and, and what we think that we can do. But it's all about Jesus and what he has done and what he continues to do in us, with us, and through us. And, and I know this maybe isn't like a, the great sales pitch that if you're checking out Doxon, you're like, oh man, I wonder if I should get involved in this church. I want you to know that, guys, we are not great people, okay? Yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, that answers that question. Not coming back next week, <laughs> right? But we're not great, talented people trying to start a great church. The reality is, is we're just broken, messed up people who happen to have a great God who we're looking to and depending on to grow and sustain a healthy, great, thriving church here in this city. And, and here's the thing about this, guys. This is so significant here to, to us at Doxa. And, and this is the posture that I want so badly for our church to have that, that this is one of the reasons why we gave our church the name Doxa. And I know that's kind of a, an interesting name, and naming things is really difficult. If you have kids, right, you, you think about, okay, you have the kid, and you're like, okay, what do we name this thing, right? And you start to think, well, I like this, and not a thing, a person, right? Okay, don't get, don't get hung up, right? I love kids, okay, I promise. But, you know, you, you have your kid, and you're like, well, what do I name it? And, and you're thinking, well, I love this name, oh, but I sat next to that kid in elementary school and I really want to love my kid and I just can't do it because I think about him every time, right? Or you're like, man, this is a great name, 
But what about the nicknames, right? And we can't, we can't do that. It's, it, honestly, one of the most stressful parts of this church was, was naming it. And so we landed on, on Doxa. And, and you might say it's good, bad. I don't, I don't know. The verdict's still out because I, I invite like, my, my neighbors and people that I've met in the city. I'm like, you should, you should totally come check out our church. And they're like, oh, well, what's the name of it? And I'm like, Doxa. And they're like, like the dog, Doxa? I'm like, no, we don't have a thing for wiener dogs, right? We have a thing, we have a thing for Jesus. It's, it's Doxa, all right? Doxa is the Greek word for glory. And doxa, as it relates to God, it means to recognize the essential nature of his goodness and his godness, which gives him the importance and the weight that he deserves in all of our lives. And so just as Jesus lived to glorify his father, that God would be famous among all nations and all ethnicities and all races and all people, we want to do the same thing in our great city of Madison. And the name of our church reminds us that it's all about Jesus. That every time we say Doxa Church, we're reminded that it's not about our glory and what we think we can do, but it's all about Jesus and his glory. And in that video that we watched at the beginning of our gathering, you, you heard the statement that Doxa Church exists to share the gospel in our lives for the glory of God and the good of Madison. And what this statement does, guys, is it basically explains who we are and what we want to be about. And so what we're going to do is I want to, over the next few weeks as we launch this church, is we're going to kind of revisit this statement and come back to this in the hopes that we would grasp hold of, of who we are as a church as we focus on the glory of God. And we're going to spend the next three weeks during this launch really looking at this idea that we have been marked. All right, that, that we have been marked. And what I mean by this is, is that we have been marked specifically by three things. We've been marked by glory, with glory, and for glory. And I really believe that, that if we begin to understand this reality and what this means in all of our lives as we just go about the everyday stuff of life, as we begin to, to get this, this will literally change everything. That the love of God will just become so evident to us, it will fill us in such a way that it'll spill out of us and it'll affect our marriages, it'll affect our families, it'll affect this city and this campus. It will literally affect and change everything. And that's the goal. And so as we get into this topic of glory... Guys, God's glory is a big deal in the Bible. And because it's a big deal in the Bible, that makes it a really big deal for us here at Doxa. But, but there's something that we need to know, okay? Defining the glory of God is really just an impossible task. All right, because just as, as John Piper put it, it's, it's more like the word beauty than the word basketball. That if you met somebody and they've, they've never heard of a basketball, they've never seen a basketball before, and they would say, well, define a, a basketball for me. You would probably just use your hands and kind of say, well, it's this round thing that's made out of leather or, or rubber, and you can inflate it and blow it up with air, and it gets to about 10 inches in diameter, and if you keep blowing it up, it gets hard, and, and you can actually bounce it, and then you can run with it, and it's called dribbling, and you can actually pass it to other people, and then you throw it into a hoop on the wall. It used to be called a basket, and that's why we call it a basketball. And as you did this... These people, they would have a, a really good idea of what a basketball actually is. They would be able to, to pick it out and differentiate it between like a football or a baseball. But you can't do that with the word beauty. That there's certain words in our vocabulary that are very difficult to communicate with words, but they're very easy to point to when we actually see them. That if, that if you and I, we, we hung out enough and we went and, and saw enough things together, we could, as we walk through life, point to the things and be like, there it is. That's it right there. That's, that's beauty. That's, that's what beauty is there. And as we pointed to enough things, we would all get a common understanding of what beauty actually meant. But if you pr tried to put beauty into words, it'd be very, very difficult for us. 
And I say that to say this, guys. The same is true as we consider the glory of God. That we can try and define it with words, but it's better communicated just by pointing it out. All right? And so what we do every week as we gather as Doxa Church is we simply just open up the Bible and we point. And we say, there it is. There it is. There's the glory of God. There it is. And this is what we do. We just point. And as we read God's words to us, which ultimately all point us to his glory, it's then that we're able to come to terms with who God actually is, who Jesus is, who we have been created to be, and what this all means for us as we navigate through the everyday stuff of life, trying to figure out, what am, who am I? What is this all about? This is what will happen. And so today we're going to start where the Bible starts, okay? Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. And, and if you're new and, and checking things out, guys, we'd love to, if you don't have a Bible, I'd say one thing, one of two things. One, one either go buy one, and, or two, we have some out there on our welcome table that we'd love to gift you, because this is what we do. This is kind of like the regular rhythms of our church, is we just open up the Bible together and, and read and just point. All right, but we'd be in Genesis chapter 1, and, and as you get there, let me, let me say this. We're going to see today that we have all been marked by glory. And what the book of Genesis actually does because as it reveals God to us, right? In, in the beginning of, of the Bible, we, we get a picture of, of God, the creator, and, and what he's done, which all points to, to his glory. And, and we're marked by, by this creator God of glory. And so what we're going to see as we do a brief sweep through Genesis chapters 1 through 3, is we're going to see a creator who created all of creation. And I'm going to point, as we go through this, I'm going to point to three different things that give us a glimpse of the glory of God. I'm going to point to God's creation, God's communication, and God's salvation. And we're going to get a picture of who this great God is that we sing songs to and talk about and worship and do all this stuff. And so let's get into this. Genesis chapter 1, start in verse 1. In the beginning, God. And I'll stop. I want you to circle God in your Bible. I'm not going to do this every three words, I promise, okay? But this is big because really this is what the Bible is about. The entire Bible is about God. It shows us the glory of God. So in the beginning, God, what did he do? He created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now we have to do a little bit of work here with this because... Philosophically and, and scientifically, there's no way, guys, there's no way that we can come to a concrete conclusion as to how creation came into existence because no one was there at the beginning of the world to see what actually happened. And so we can hypothesize and we can speculate through philosophy and science and all, all that stuff about what may have happened, but the only way that we can actually know what truly happened is not through speculation, but it's actually through revelation. All right, that the only person that was there was God. And so it's God who tells us how creation came into existence. It says the New Testament author of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, he says that it's by faith that we know how the world was made. And then we see here in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that the Holy Spirit was there in creation. And he was bringing order into what was chaos. And it's the same Holy Spirit that was there at creation that inspired the author in Moses who wrote Genesis to write what he did and to show us who God is and what God has done. And I want us to know as we, as we talk about creation that the only reason that we know that how creation occurred it's because the Holy Spirit was there. 
He inspired the Bible to be written. And what he does today is he illuminates us and our understanding of so that we might understand and know God. So with that understanding, in the beginning, there was God. All right, nothing else, and he created. And the first thing that we see, guys, this is the first glimpse of the glory of God that we get. It's seen through creation. And I, and I want so badly, guys, we, we live in such a beautiful city, right, that, that I want us to understand that, that the created world around us constantly points us to God's glory. And there's two aspects that I want us to consider as we talk about this today. It's God's glorious power, and secondly, God's glorious beauty. All right, so God created everything, right, the heavens and the earth. Now, I want you to look at the means by which he created. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And if we were to go through the rest of this chapter, we would see, guys, that, that God spoke everything into existence. And, and that might not seem overly significant. We might just read that and just kind of go blow right past that and try and get to something better and more exciting. But, but, this, is, but this is really important. I want you to consider your life. Okay, just, just think about your life. We're incapable of speaking physical things into existence. And while we can speak intangible things into existence, we, we can't do that with the physical. You know, for example, I can, I can speak intimacy into my marriage depending on what I choose to say or what I choose not to say to my wife. Right? I, I can do that. But even though I'm starving right now and I could really go for a green bush donut, you know, those, those old-fashioned blueberry things? I mean, come on, let's go. But I, even though I, I want to speak that right into my hand right now, I am incapable of creating something out of nothing, right? And that is a really stupid example. But I say it to say this, guys. God lacks nothing. He doesn't. And he demonstrates his glory through his power of creating by merely speaking. I mean, if you think about that. And I would say to you that this is a moment in the Bible where we stop and we just point. And we say, there it is. Guys, there it is. There's the glory of God. There's God's glorious power that he speaks and things happen, that he's powerful and he creates and he creates everything that is good. That he's in fact king in the book of Psalms, which Psalms is just a collection of songs about praising God and, and adoration for God. In Psalm 24, God is referred to as the king of glory. That as a king sits on his throne, he merely speaks and things happen around him. This is God, the king of glory. He speaks and he has that kind of power that he creates life and he creates everything that is good. And he has the power to create, but not just to create, but to recreate. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. And so he's powerful. Now, in addition to the power of God that we see through creation, guys, we also see God's glory through the beauty of the things that he actually created. All right? And as we read the Bible in light of the creation account, we see that everything that he created, guys, there's a purpose for, for creation. That creation is ultimately just a reflection of God's glory to show us, in fact, that there is a creator, that we're not just like some haphazard mistake and a result of some type of cosmological thing that just randomly happened. But creation points us that there is a creator. It's as Psalm 19 says, that, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The doxa. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaim his handiwork. So I'll pause and I'll, and I'll ask that question. Guys, what does this mean for us? 
right? Because we could just get up here and just kind of get like moved and be like, okay, well, I don't know what, exactly what he's saying. What does this mean? You know what this means? It means that God is shouting. He's shouting at us. He's shouting with clouds. He's shouting with oceans. He's shouting with mountains. He's shouting with gold on the horizon as the sun rises and the sun sets. He's shouting with stars and he's shouting with galaxies. He's just shouting at us all of the time and he's shouting, I'm glorious. See me. Just open up your eyes and see my glory and find the reason that you exist if you just see me, your creator. He's just shouting at us. This is what creation is doing. And I love the way that this worked out. So in, in thinking about this, I was at the gym the other day, and, and I love being active and just doing that stuff. And the gym is kind of a weird place. Like, guys generally don't talk at the gym. Okay, it's a really weird. They're all walking around in their bro tanks and flexing in front of the mirrors and, like, giving each other the stink eye and all this stuff. And so, you know, I got into a good conversation for once, okay? And so I'm at the gym, and this guy, he's, he gives me the stink eye. I could totally tell he was looking at how much I was lifting, and then I saw him go... I could lift more than that. I know, so I'm like, whatever. So he gave me the stink eye. And uh, so I gave him the stink eye back. And whenever that happens, I try and create like an awkward situation. So I just walked over to him. <laughs> and like it was, it was awkward there for a moment. And then, and then I love to do it. I just walk over all serious. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? Right? And, and it just totally blows their mind. They have no idea what's going on. Okay? But I get into a great conversation with this guy. And he's all tatted up. He's got sleeves and all this stuff. And, and uh, as, he's, as he's talking, I'm just asking him. And I was like, hey, man, that's, that's pretty good ink work. Like, where'd you get that done? I want to get some more and all this stuff. And he's talking. And I'm like, hey, what, is that? what does that mean? He had, like, some big nature scenes, like, like mountains and evergreen trees and all this stuff. And, and so I asked him about it. And he, he was just went into this, this kind of monologue and just told me how he loves being in nature. And he was talking about how he's like, I love like sitting on the terrace and just looking out at the lake. He said he loves being on the kayak on Lake Monona and just kind of being out there because he says it just makes him realize how small and insignificant he actually is. And he said that the world doesn't revolve around him. And as he's talking, I'm like, man, is this guy a Christian? Like, that's really good. And I know he's not because I'm like, I'm a pastor and it got really weird. Okay, he's like, okay, I got to go. I got to go do some dips, okay? Um, (laughs) But yeah, so we, I, he's, he's talking to me, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I'm following you. He's like, oh, so you kind of see the same thing? And I was like, I'm, I'm realizing, like, he sees it, but he's not connecting the dots. And, and, I, and I'm like, he, he sees the glory of God. He just doesn't know that it's, it's pointing to the fact that there's a creator. To him, he's thinking, creation is, is shouting out, you're small and you're insignificant. And I'm like... No, creation is shouting out, you're small, but you're very significant because the creator that created all this created you. And I got a chance to, to share the gospel with him, and it was, a, it was an awesome opportunity. We'll come back to the gospel, but it was an awesome conversation. And so I'll ask you this. As you walk through life, and you see the beauty that is so easily seen in our city, do you see it? Do you see Glory. Do you see the glory of God? This is what it's about. This is what creation is about. It's about enjoyment and beauty and joy and glory. But it's not just for the sake of our Insta stories and Snapchatting. I don't, I don't know if anybody Snapchats anymore, but it's not about that, right? It's, it's about God. It's about us seeing him and seeing Jesus. 
right, in coming to know him and coming to experience him and live for him and live in eternity in glory with him. This is what it's about. And guys, I want you to know this is what we're made for. You and I were made for this. And this is why every single one of us, all of humanity, we have such deep longings for beauty and for greatness because we were created by this glory. We have been marked by glory. And it's my hope and prayer that as we walk together in the family of Doxa, guys, that no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, that you would see it. Guys, this is how, why Doxa exists, for the glory of God. And we just point. Every single time we get together, we point. So God's creation is pointing to the glory that we're marked by. But in addition to this, I want you to consider this. It's also about God's communication, all right, that's pointing to the glory of God. Look back at Genesis chapter 1. We'll skip down to verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And this is a really, really significant passage talking about people. And we're not going to get into this this week. Next week, we're going to spend the whole time talking about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to, to be made in the image of God? What is that all about? That we're, this idea that we're marked with glory. But we're going to do that next week. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them. I want you to circle that in your Bible. God said to them. What do you say? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I guess here's what I want you to see on this, okay? Immediately after creating Adam and Eve, God speaks again. All right, and as he's speaking creation into existence, he does something a bit different with his words here. And he begins to communicate to the people that he created. And again, we could fly by this as we, as we read the Bible, but this is really, really significant because ask the question, guys, God didn't do this for anything else, but why? Like God didn't create animals and then begin talking to them. He didn't create the heavens and the skies and begin talking to it, but somehow he, he creates humanity and he begins speaking. So we have to ask the question. When we come to the Bible, we ask questions and we say, well, why? What is different? And the answer is, guys, that God knew that Adam and Eve even though they were perfect people living in a perfect relationship with him, that they couldn't figure out life on their own. And because of this reality, God had to explain who they were and what they were supposed to do with the life that he had given them. And there's an important truth for all of us that humanity, you and I, guys, we are created to be dependent on God. And without him, guys, we cannot know who we really are and what we're supposed to do with the life that we've been given. And so what we're seeing here is the first instance of personal ministry in the Bible. It's the great creator God in all of his glory breaking into human history and he's speaking to the humans that he created. That he doesn't just speak things into, into existence, but he also speaks meaning and purpose into our lives and he says, this is who you've been created to be. This is what you're created to do. And again, I love the question of, so What? Right, that we don't want to just be informational, we want to be helpful. And so, so what? What does this mean as we navigate through the everyday stuff of life? Because I would say this, we live in a world with a lot of problems. We live in a world with a lot of divisions. We live in a world with a lot of pain. Some of you are living in that right now with your families, with your workplaces, with just destruction and devastation, whatever you're experiencing. We live with injustice all around us. 
And I believe that the world is the way that it is because we've become a society that has not only closed our eyes to the glory of God, but we've deafened our ears to the voice and the words of God. And as we have done this, we've lost sight of who God is and who he's created us to be. And every single person in this city and in this room, we're feeling the effects of this today. But I love this, is that there's actually an answer. There's, there's good news in the midst of all of this, guys, that this is what the Bible is all about. That the Bible starts and ends with God. It's all about God. History is all about God. Everything is all about God because God created everything. And while we can see the glory of God through his creation, the only way to truly know God is to hear his voice through his words. And this is what the Bible is to us. And today we're, we're in a very different place than the first created humans, right? They were just walking around naked in the garden somewhere, right? And they were walking with God and they were hearing the audible voice of God. Us, we're walking through life and we're hearing the voices of millions of people around us. And as we're hearing these voices, we have the task of deciding what are we going to listen to and what are we going to throw away? Because all of those voices that we hear, they tell us every single day what's true about ourselves, what's true about the world that we live in, what's true about the people around us, what's true about this God or lack thereof that has created us. And this is why the Bible is, is so important to us here at Doxa, that we want to be a Bible-saturated family, that if you prick us, we, we bleed Bible. And, and I know that this can sound kind of weird, but there's a reason for this. And it's this, guys, is that the Bible is God's words to us about himself and about ourselves. And that through it, we gain a perspective on life that we were all created for. And we can trust it because it comes from the God of glory that creation is all screaming towards and what we're all longing for. And that's why when we come together as doxa like this, because we, we just, we gather around the Bible. And throughout the week in our connection groups, we open up the Bible together and we, and we ask questions. We, we love questions. We wrestle with it. And as we get into the Bible together, we hear from God and then we actually respond to God. That we're not like those people, like I, when I became a Christian, I don't know if you've experienced this. I've said this before, but like Christians are really good at they hear something really insightful and godly and like, what do they do? Hmm, Right. That's so good, right? And you walk out and you don't do anything, right? And I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, what is that about? Why? Indigestion? Like, get some thumbs, right? What is, what is that? But we actually, we hear from God and then we respond to God. And as we do this, guys, things begin to change. Our lives begin to change. Our, our marriages, our families, our neighborhoods, the city, all for the glory of God. So we've been marked by glory that we see through God's creation, through God's communication. The last thing I'm going to point to this morning is this is God's salvation. And so look ahead to Genesis chapter 3. I'm just going to read this, and then I'm going to make a few comments on it, okay? Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So, so God made everything, right? The earth, the plants, animals, people, but we also see that he made angels, all right? And the serpent here is a, is a fallen angel that God created. And so we see in books like Daniel and Ezekiel that there was some type of... of battle in heaven that that Lucifer was a great god or a great angel a beautiful angel that God had created right and there was some type of fall because he was a prideful created being and he wanted to be God and as he rebelled against God God kicked him out of heaven and this is where we get the idea of Satan right in the, in the reality of hell and so the serpent here represents Satan and this is what he does he's God's enemy he's ultimately people's enemy and he said this look at he said to the woman did God actually say, 
You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And so what does the serpent and Satan begin to do? He begins to have humanity question God's communication to them. That he's saying, like, did God really say that? And, and the, the, these people that were with God, they, they started saying, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And guys, this is the same thing that's happening to every single one of us today. We, we, we hear the voice of God and we just say, no, that's probably not what he's saying. And, and, we, and we question it and we, and we throw it away. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Because what's the issue that's going on here? It's glory. That instead of glory being given to God, humanity starts thinking, maybe this is about me. Maybe this isn't about the kingdom of my creator, but maybe this is about my kingdom and what I want and my glory and my desires, and I'm just going to do my own thing. And this is what they do. And what, what happens? Verse 6. So when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, Genesis chapter 3 is probably one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible because it explains the source and the solution for sin and death. All right? and, and I know when I say sin, guys, that's a, that's a loaded word. All right? That we, based upon our experiences with church and the Bible and Christians, we, we all have different perspectives on, on sin. But sin is anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And the very nature of sin is that sin separates. It separates us from each other and it separates us from God. This is what sin does and it ultimately leads to death, spiritual death. I want you to take a look at this reality. Look at verse 7 in chapter 3. After this happened, this, this sin happened, then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That they hid from God and they hid from each other because of their sin. Look at this, that, that earlier on in, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that the man and the woman, they were, they were naked and unashamed. And they were just walking around like eating grapes. It was like a great thing. I don't know what they were doing. They were just having a great time. No shame, nothing. There was no division. All of a sudden, sin enters into human existence. And what happens? Shame comes into the, the picture. And they start to hide themselves from each other. They're like, oh my gosh, you cannot see me like this. And they make themselves close. And they separate themselves from each other. This is what sin does. Not only that... But then they start, God starts walking through the garden and calling out to them. And what do they do? They hide from him. And once they're, they're hiding, they're separated from God. This is the very nature of what sin does in every single one of our lives. And we're all affected by this. Every single one of us. And we hide from God and we hide from each other. But I want you to look at how God responds to their sin. That he is so loving and he's so kind that God, he comes to them. And he calls after them. He's a good father that we don't need to run from, but we can run to because he loves us. And then he promises that Jesus would come and fix the destruction that they brought into their lives. And you might be looking and you're like, I don't see Jesus. Look at verse 15. In verse 15, God preaches what theologians call the proto-evangelium. It's the first 
gospel. This is the first good news that we see in the Bible, which points to the glory of the coming Jesus. Listen to what he says to the serpent in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Guys, this is about Jesus. And the, the entire Bible is about Jesus. And when he says that, that you will bruise his heel, we get this image of that there's somebody that's going to come and just crush the serpent, crush Satan, right? And it says bruise his heel. This is a, a picture that, that somehow Jesus is going to be harmed, that, that Satan is going to harm Jesus. And we see this through the crucifixion. This is pointing to Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection, that he will be harmed, he will be killed. But I love this, is that he says that he will crush Satan and sin and death and hell. And this is the first gospel. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the, the resurrection and the fact that the tomb is empty today. We can say this is emphatically true and this is why we sing, this is why we rejoice, and this is why we love Jesus. This is the gospel that we celebrate. This is the gospel that we share. This is the gospel that we sing. This is the gospel that we gather around. That God has the glorious power not only to create but to recreate. And he recreates through love and forgiveness. And just like a loving father, when God created humanity, he warned them. He said, don't do this one thing because it will ruin everything. But humanity, just in us included, we have chosen to do that one thing. There was one rule in the garden. Don't kill yourself. Right? That was, that was all God said. And humanity said, okay, I'm just going to do that one thing. Right? And we all do the same thing. We all have chosen to go against what God has said. And that's just the existence of sin in my life, in your life, in everyone's life. But in the midst of this, God is good, but he's also holy. And because he's holy, he has to deal with our sin. But because he's loving, he's chosen to do so in a way that we can be forgiven and restored in a right relationship with him. Guys, this is the gospel. This is the glory of God revealed. It's all about Jesus. Guys, it's not about what you have done. It's not about what you think you are doing to work your way to God. It's all about what Jesus has done for you. And we celebrate that. We rejoice over that. We proclaim that. We sing that. And it all begs the question, guys, when we talk about all of this glory, what do we do? How do we respond to all of this glory? And if it all goes back to Jesus, we listen to what he said as he started his ministry in the in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. He's like, I'm here. I am God. And what does he say to do? He says, repent and believe. And repentance, guys, is simply just seeing our sin, the thing that, that separates us from God and really just turning the other way. And as we turn, we, we turn to the God of glory and we say, because of your, your power and your glory and your love, just recreate me and, and forgive me. And because God is, is so loving and because the gospel of Jesus is true, through faith and belief, God just looks at us and says, yes, this is it. And you know what this leads to, guys? This leads to a ton of stuff, but it leads to salvation it leads to forgiveness. It leads to freedom. But this also leads to worship, to celebration, to glory. Because we know that Jesus, in all of his glory, he loves us. 
He accepts us. He's made a way for us. He welcomes us into his family through faith. And guys, this is what it's all about. It's all about the glory of God. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up here. And we're going to get an opportunity, guys, to, to do this and to celebrate the glory of God. But I'm going to pray as the band comes up and then we'll, we'll get going. Father, thank you for this church that you're growing and you're, you're building. And God, thank you for the Bible that you've, you've shown us something of, of your glory. God, we, we know that, that we're not deserving of your, your love and grace because of the way that we live, the way that we view you, the way that we take glory for ourselves and forget your glory. But we just thank you for giving it to us as a good father, regardless of, of what we deserve. And so we celebrate the gospel and we celebrate what you're doing amongst us. And just let us, guys, God, as we sing this, these songs, God, would you just let us to see you, just get a glimpse of your glory through the words that we say, through the things that we hear. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the way that we're going to respond to this, guys, is, is we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate all that God has done. But we're also going to get a chance to take communion. This is one of the things that, that we do is we, we, we take communion together. And, and what this is, is we have stations set up in the back, two stations in the back. We, we go up there and we, we take the bread and we rip the bread off and we realize and we remember that this is Jesus' body. It's a representation that Jesus was literally killed for my sin, that he lived a life that I couldn't live, that he died a life that I should have died. But he rose for my forgiveness. And as we take that bread, we remember and we celebrate and we say, thank you for doing that, for taking my place. And we dip it in the juice as a symbol of his blood, that through his blood, that somehow we're made clean through faith. And he brings us to God. And this is just erupts in, in celebration, in worship. And that's what we're going to do. And so during these last three songs, whenever you feel ready, we have two stations in the back. You can just get up out of your seat and go back there, take communion, and just celebrate what God has done. So if you guys want to stand up, we'll, we'll continue in worship. <clears throat>